Hi, uh, welcome back to the Healthy Running Podcast. So here Owen Everard and I'm delighted to have the new co-host, John Murphy. John has worked with a number of like key GA teams, obviously Kilkenny under 20s, they won the All-Ireland and uh, is a very good runner himself um, and just a really good person who, when I've had him in the clinic, we just had really good combos. So when I was thinking about the podcast and who I wanted to kind of chat around some of the ideas if we don't have like a set guest it was John so yeah great to have you now thanks very much on yeah it's great. great great to be asked on so what I thought we'd talk about today as you said was going to talk about like some kind of key running injuries we might do that as a series and today we might go like plantar fasciitis Achilles pain shin pain and I can just talk through my um my thoughts see what you think and then get some of your expertise on structure so structure of a gym program like one we'll talk about like the alver males hierarchy pyramid like how do you get to like speed or strength and like how if you someone would say starting as a teenager like what they would do um i know you've worked a lot with like say camogie teams or underage teams as well so i thought we could chat about that and then in structure in 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 the actual gym i find that a lot of people like one, they don't have an idea about what to do. But then secondly, they actually don't have a freaking clue about like how to structure the actual gym. So sure, we'll get cracking with the first thing, which I was thinking was just uh, lower leg injuries, like say like plantar fasciitis, uh, Achilles tendonitis, shin splints. These are common running injuries. And I would have been on other podcasts and we would have talked about it that with these injuries, a lot of times what can occur is they're basically overloads of the passive structures so the passive structures are the structures that we have naturally like your your tendon is always going to give you support your plantar fascia is always going to give you support even like the shin splints which is essentially where the muscle attaches to the bone um so it's kind of nearly like um like uh you can nearly think of it as a a tendon issue but it's it doesn't it doesn't propel the muscle or anything it's just it's medial tibial traction so it's like where they attach so what's happening is those passive structures like the joints or the ligaments or the tendons are getting overloaded and like we'll talk about other you know we might talk about knee injuries next week um then hip and back injuries but what you'll see is that there's a common theme that it's like there's three systems that should keep you strong so you should have your your passive system is there anyway but your muscular system and then the control system like the nor the nervous system should kind of tell the muscles when to switch on and when they're working correctly what happens then is that like the muscular system is taking pressure off the passive system so instead of like the passive system having to take all the load say in a run the muscular system is switched on like the the muscles of the feet are switched on the hamstrings the glutes are taking a lot more pressure and then that can help take pressure off the lower leg so um when when we're thinking about so that's what's happening say with the plantar it's like uh where the plantar attaches to the bottom of the foot can just get a bit irritated because it's getting pulled a little bit too much where the achilles it can be even the insertion or in the middle of the achilles can be like just overloaded and that causes the tendon to kind of start to break down a little bit so why do we want to release off 
the plantar fascia and release off say the the calf that gets tight um there's a few things i think that are really overlooked and we'll talk we'll talk in a minute about like if you have these things what you can do but one thing that's majorly overlooked is the fact that these areas in general in general are overloaded and that's why they're they're breaking down so you have someone like they're overloaded causing an issue and what we want is basically rather than just purely work on like the strengthening of these areas you know so with Achilles tendons for example everyone's go-to is like heel drops heel raises work that completely but it's like all right there's a place for that and we can talk about it but before that I feel it's like I have much more success with like single leg deadlifts and holding them for like five or ten seconds so we're like that'll get the feet muscles burning the glutes and the hamstrings working a lot more and then get the balance working and then if these other areas when you're kind of activating the muscles but not in a way that's still working that area you're you're working like say isometrically it then can um it, it naturally just takes the pressure off those areas gets other places working which really sets the healing what do you think of that? I know it's a bit of a rant, but oh, I do. I agree fully. I am, um, like say you've mentioned there, the single leg deadlift and holding that for ten seconds. Yeah, you really fo- focus on pushing your big toe into the ground. Yes, like a- actually bringing your foot into the movement, and then as you come to the top of the movement, driving up and trying to stand on your big toe. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like that's obviously you're working your posterior chain, but you're also working your gastro and its lesser center soleus there. Yeah, major, and, and, and your foot muscles. muscles. So you, foot muscles. you really emphasise that pushing into the foot. Re- and some people str- struggle sometimes, stability-wise, I find with a single leg deadlift. Yes. Well, sometimes when you cue them to actually dig the big toe into the ground, it can help them stabilise, yeah. bringing in the foot muscles, bringing in more, obviously, than the calf muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously your Achilles. And then it's basically like an entire lower limb movement. Yeah. So it's obviously just your hamstring glutes, but also calves and your feet are brought into it as well. Yeah. There's actually good you said that, because... I haven't done it as much, but there's one where you get like, you know, like your mini band you, and you put it underneath the big toe mm. and then you stretch the band and you put it through the other foot. Yes. And then you try lift your heels. So you're lifting your heels off the ground with the band there. Yes. With that idea of that. Obviously, if I peel that foot off the ground, yeah. the band's going to pull back. Yeah. So it's getting that idea of like, just have it underneath the toe and push that toe into the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Then... Another one, and it's one come to use more and more in the programme, and I do be a, say, a split squat hold with a floating heel, though, on a plate. Yeah. And as you're in the split squat position, raising up, pushing your knee forward up onto your toes. Okay, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, another variation that's been, say, similar to single leg deadlift that's good for combating, say, ankle, calf, Achilles issues, but also working the entire lower limb. Yeah, and at least then, if you're working, say... So, like, you have it up on a step and you're, yeah. like, in a split squat and you're lifting. So you are working the Achilles, like, yeah. working the calf complex there. Yeah. But at least, as I said, you're doing it in a, a position where you're kind of forcing the rest of the leg to work because it's yeah. in that, say, split stance. If you're in that position and then you're lifting the leg, it's like, okay, now you can work it. The other thing is, I really like working these things isometrically. It's the only time Absolutely. I'll, like, so you can lift the leg the rest of the legs working the only time I'll work 
heel drops or heel raises into a program is someone that's had really chronic Achilles because what I'm kind of trying to do then is there's like a few like different kind of sheets of the Achilles um, and you're nearly trying to give it like a micro massage in there now if you have Achilles tendinopathy right at the insertion so like down by the heel the last thing you want to be doing is compressing that so if you have it down at the heel I see people come in and all they're doing is hanging down on the step like a stretch and it's like right you're compression compressing the tissue there and causing further irritation so it's like do you mind times when people come in i'm like cut out all your heel drops heel raises add like your single leg deadlift add some bridging on the ground like we do it in the pilates a lot that like you know a lot of times one of the reasons with the pilates it was like the things that work for leg injuries are nearly the same things that work for hip or knee because they're like, when you're running, these are the areas that tend to get overloaded and there's other areas that tend to get weak. Um, what do you think then about like, what kind of releases would you do with those kind of like, you know, calf, plant, I suppose plantar, just roll the bottom of the foot? Roll the bottom of the foot really would be so depending on your tolerance to pain yeah from tennis ball to slitter to golf ball if really yeah i don't like the golf ball is i like a slitter i like a hockey ball golf ball can be a bit too small for me it depends you want to be like the likes of yourself or myself like it's grand but i feel like you want to know like it's very easy to go nearly too hard in there and nearly cause cause a little bit damage i feel like if you go for a, a bigger ball you can put a lot more pressure on it Without, without getting that like really small area that could go right down onto it onto yeah. it so just, I would always be careful on that one what I found as well I know it's maybe not a release but I find for those issues loading to a degree is a almost improves that I find oh I, yes I, I've struggled with Achilles issues and yes uh, I got a lot of benefit out of like long yielding isometrics yes like maybe three sets of 30 second holes yeah um, in what position so a different position so I might be seated with a weight plate on my knee and yeah. just push up yes. and push in and depending on the force so I might do a 30 seconds so it's just a 70% push yeah. for the 30 seconds if I go for 10 seconds it might be a 90% push yes um, I might do it in a split stance either I may also do it in a rack pressed up hands pushed up into a rack or yeah. pushed up under a barbell yeah so you can't move so I can't move and I'm able to put force into the ground in a running position, and yes. my knees push forward, midfoot, big toe pushed into the ground. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. in the position I'm running in. Whereas when you're doing heel drops, you're never running in that exactly. position. And for like Alex Natera is an Australian SNC has done a lot of research and programming on like long yielding isometrics for yeah, yeah. knee and calf issues. And I find from my program that it has actually made a big difference. Yes. Um, so it's not a release, but I just actually find load. Yeah, yeah. To a certain degree. I think, I think, and load is such a big one, like where people sometimes come in, if they've had Achilles issues, it's hard to tell them, it's like, listen, you're going to be about 12 weeks cleaning this up, but that doesn't mean you're going to be 12 weeks uh, out with nothing. Yeah. Once, once the pain, there's a couple of things I do. I would try and encourage people to kind of run if they can. A couple of things you do is, one, make sure the pain isn't more than like three out of 10. Second one is, you shouldn't be altering your running style. So if you're limping or you're, you know, okay, walk until you can run and then if it's under three out of 10. But if you're like when running, it's like you visibly look different. It's like you're going to cause, if not the Achilles or the plantar to be an issue, 
you're going to cause the pain up the body. Some, something else is going to go wrong. Of course, yeah. And then lastly, so say it's three out of 10 pain, less than three out of 10 pain. So it might be just a niggle run through it, no problem. As long as it's a niggle, it's not affecting how changing the way you're running. And then third, the next day you wake up, it's no worse than it was the day before. And if you have those three things, knowing that like you're going to have it for a longer period, but you're going to be getting up your volume and then when you're at the volume you want to be, hopefully the pain should then start decreasing again. Because yeah. the worst thing you see, isn't it, where people just take rest for two weeks, it feels better, they go back, and within a week it's just back to where it was before. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like That's, I think that load is really important. Absolutely. I'd say that with, say, Achilles issues, like athletes I found can catastrophize and think maybe they're not progressing, but like say if they can get through a certain training session, still be in pain but the tolerance a week later maybe 5% better yeah. that is progress like it's something that's not going to get better overnight it's to reassure athletes that it's to constantly be able to build a little bit more tolerance yeah. and yeah. it does improve but it just does unfortunately it takes time especially yeah exactly it's knowing what you have I did a great podcast with Kira, my sister on this different narratives around an injury like how people approach an injury mm. and like it's a way of like getting stronger, you know, like say some people can do my Pilates just because, because of the injury. And then you can get like a lot stronger, you can improve a lot of things that you didn't even know or just get different types of training. But that's so true. It's like, you can have people come back in and be like, oh, my Achilles is so sore. But it's like, you were running say 10 miles a week or you were on off like for a, a couple of months and but now you're running say five or six days a week and you're doing 40 miles and so it's it's not even though the pain might be similar say it's like that it's that still that it's still niggly it's like as you said if you can like nearly have a diary of like where you were to where you are now mm -hmm. and if the pain hasn't come up it's like you're progressing absolutely and then when we can we can uh, uh, scale it off this is great actually having just to chat you know that way because like, you know, you're on your own, sometimes I'd find you're, you're chatting to the camera and you're like, all right, is that making sense or is that going? Okay, other things. So definitely loading it. Um, and as we said, that three out of 10 doesn't change how you move. I think definitely getting the other areas working. Like, as I said, in the Pilates, it's like, or anyway, it's like glute, we have, I do like little specialized rehab for people with these. And the ones for plantar, the mobility stuff is slightly different. Like roll the bottom of the foot, roll your Achilles, like you're pushing away, but shin splints, plantar, Achilles, tendon, it's single leg deadlifts for me, it's split squats, maybe with the with the holes, the isometric holes. Yeah. Hadn't done a lot of like with a plate pushing up, but I could definitely see a place for that. Much more than the heel drops, heel raises. Heel drops, heel raises are definitely out if it's on the bottom of the heel where you get your pain, because that's going to compress the, the tissue together and make that worse. And it's like, there's not one, there's like a couple of studies obviously that show heel drops, heel raises work or they're effective, but like it's only one approach. And if you've been doing that and it's not getting any better, it's like, you've got to switch it up. Like, Absolutely. so, um, other things I'd always like compression socks. Yep. Don't know if there's much research behind it. I actually have my bad boys on now. Um, just really good to release off the legs, um, bringing a hockey ball to bed, putting it in around that Achilles and like, around that soleus and the gastroc, like keeping that released off, you know, all this should be in bed. Between the 
the two bellies of the calf is like the best place I find. And then just rotating the ankles. Um, and then obviously working on your balance as well, getting that foot. And I think that one is nice where like, putting a stretch and try and keep that big toe down, but just working on that balance a lot where you want it that the muscles are burning, that you feel like I can't stand any longer. Mm. And then that's, that's the magic sauce, I think, for that's Achilles. Really. I think that's good. I think we, I think, I think that's a nice little, like, uh, anything else I would do? Okay, like, compression socks I would definitely go for. Uh, I have orthotics. Like, I recommend people, if, if you've tried, like, it's funny, I'd recommend both barefoot running sometimes and orthotics. You know, that way, like, so insoles. So, just the thing of, like, if it is inflamed, sometimes it's holding it up when you're running. And then don't wear them like wearing socks around the house or adding a little bit of barefoot running as well can kind of wake up the foot muscles. Yeah. Um, do you do any of that or what, what do you think of it? I've done a little bit of barefoot running maybe yeah. warm down after a running session. I, I That's a great time to do it, I think. A five minute jog on grass. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And Just, see how you feel with it. Like, you know, a lot of times I never do any more than 10 minutes, but some people are like, oh no, it won't be for me. Or I won't. It's like, just try it. Like take off your shoes and your socks, run, cooling down or 10 minutes in an easy run if anything it breaks up the run a little bit you know it just okay. makes it you, you have like 10 minutes and then you're like okay i only have 20 minutes left now yeah. or or whatever so i do find that can be effective and then i have my my insoles because i feel like people can be very one way or the other like that you know all for something or then not for it at all yeah do you know yeah Okay, so we might then chat about just secondly, and then this is a great one. So, um, anything else you add on that before we go on? Or um, well, I'll, surface management, where you choose to choose yes. to train. Yeah, and, yeah. Sorry, this is great. And I know, in particular for say field sport athletes, their footwear in terms yes. of in the middle of the summer, like yeah. wearing studs in the middle of the summer on rock hard ground. Yeah. Even to a point, blades in the summer on some of the pitches. Sometimes you're just better off wearing runners. Hundred percent. For for field sports, it baffles me. Even in the winter, I know it's a bit wetter, like so and depending on like if you're doing a small sided game, mm. have your have your boots on. Yeah. But like if you're in for a running session, invest in a pair of actual good runners Absolutely. Yeah. for yourself. Yeah. You know, like that might suit your foot, like you know, you can see lads that come out and like, you know, runners are not in any way designed for running. Or or even gym sessions doing their plyometrics, doing them in Air Maxes. Or yes, yeah. Fashion runners, I call them. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then, yeah, it's like if you're serious, if you're serious about your training and serious about an athlete, like footwear is an important part of that. Footwear is an important part, and as you said, for a running sport, like surface management, like trying to get on grass, because like you know, like Newton's second or third law is like every action has an equal opposite reaction. So if you go into the ground, if the ground doesn't compress down, it means that all the forces come back into you. Yeah. So, but if on the grass, it will compress a little bit. So it's just taking a little bit for, your muscles will have to naturally work a little bit harder to get you off the ground. And then like, if you, I wouldn't go from 100% rows, if you've been doing that to 100% grass, that's yeah. going to be a load. But mixing that up just keeps the variety in the training. The other thing, I just when you said that then, is like watching your load. Like if you've gone from, I've mentioned this other places, like there's that acute to chronic workload ratio, which is, it's not the amount of training you do that causes 
injury defined it's sudden spikes in training and people see that in terms of mileage that like okay don't go from like very low mileage to high mileage which is which is the case you know if you're doing that get like massage on that be be vigilant on what you're doing but that's also for like speed work that's for any different types of training so one thing i'd always say is like if you're in a long training block like you're training for like in the winter a half marathon a 10k uh even a marathon just keep in like one semi speed session you know once every like say three weeks keep in your strides so that when you go back on the track it's like the keyless isn't getting like overloaded because you're now doing shorter stuff getting ready for 5k's go back to may 2020 or june 2020 sorry after the first COVID lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And most people, the whole 5K craze and yes. fitness at home, and everyone was out running the roads. But I found from say, field sports in particular, when they returned to the pitch, there was a huge spike. We were seeing this though. In lower limb injuries. Yeah, 100%. And we were calling that before. I remember me and you like say, in the clinic just going like, because you were prepping with teams and I was working with teams as well. And it was like, we were keeping these speed sessions in and we're like, people are going to be in bits because all they're doing for, a, for field sports is longer, easy running, trying to get 5Ks down, yeah. but not, not preparing the body for what they're going to use. Exactly. And exactly that. That's such a, that's such a really good point where you got so many injuries because they hadn't, it wasn't like they weren't fit because they were doing more running, but they weren't doing it for what they were going to have to get ready for. Like they weren't exposed to the speeds. Like, say, if you're running a 5K in 20 minutes, that's a four-minute yes. kilometre, which is just, what, 4.2, 4.3 metres per second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in, say, in Gaelic Games, you're going to cover 1,500 to 2,000 metres of high-speed running, which is over six metres per second. Yeah, exactly. Top speeds of up to nine metres per second, ten metres per second. Yeah. If you haven't been preparing yourself for that, it's got, something's going to go wrong, and, and, and it did. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same then when, like, people are if you're doing longer running if you're going to go back to park runs just keep a little bit of it in absolutely it'll be even good for your running economy and that variation in your training and then alternatively if you know you're going to be doing a marathon say in like september but it's like february just keep like every couple of weeks a little bit of a longer run in there mm. it doesn't have to be two hours two and a half hours but like you know keep like an 80 minute run in there or a 90 minute run or some kind of little bit of a distance session just so it's like it's not completely foreign to the body. Like if you've done a 10 mile run as a long run, it's not that much harder to start building say 13 or 14 when you get back into your long running. But if your longest run has been six miles and then you got 16 weeks to get that back up to like 26, it's just a long way to go, you know, when you're, when you're used to it. So yeah. I think that, I think the train management, as you said, that's great. You see, I want to talk of that now, but that's a great one of adding extra stuff in. It's just like, seeing what you're looking at down the road and as you said that that uh, covid lockdown was such a such a, a good example of that but even the winter now like say people are trying away yeah and best intention but sometimes they're leaving out the the quicker stuff yes even your strides at the end of an easy run yeah yeah still getting you turning over at a quicker rate 100 percent. like four 50 meter strides takes five minutes yeah have an easy run and if people are like i don't have the time i'm like one, you'll actually be breathing heavier. Mm. So you're getting bigger aerobic benefit, but yeah. it takes nothing from the workout or s session the next day. Mm. And it's like, 
yeah, it won't, just like cut the run short. If you're going to do a 50 minute run, it's like just do a 45 minute run yeah. and add this in for five minutes. Absolutely. And even at this stage, on a Monday, say, most people say it should be on a Tuesday. Yeah. On your easy run on a Monday, if I need your long run Sunday, easy run on a Monday, 30 minutes or 35 minutes, maybe three by eight second hills. Yes, exactly. It almost serves as a potentiation effect for your main session the next 100%. day. hundred percent. And what potentiation means for people is that like, you're essentially like activating all the muscles. So the next day when you're doing your running session, it feels easier. Yeah, like that's perfect. I think it's just something, and a lot of these things are like habits. Um, we must, we'll talk about habits another day. Do you ever hear James Clear, that Atomic Habits book? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we must do. Yes. One thing he was talking about was that thing of like, um, we'll talk about another day, but the idea of like, if, you're, if it's a new habit and you haven't got the benefits yet, you need to give yourself a reward which I've been thinking about a bit more, is like so good, like, you know, in terms of if you do a run, have like a relaxing shower or a bubble bath, something that you really enjoy or like a hot chocolate or, you know, that, that way, yeah. But we'll talk about habits because it's actually an interesting one when you're starting. Okay, so now we'll move on to the next topic, which will be um, like putting gym programs together. I wanted to talk about two things, like, one, how to structure the gym because, you know, people want strength or power or speed, but it's like you can actually get into trouble because you don't put a decent structure together. Absolutely. And then secondly, what to do in a session, like what a session looks good like. And you have obviously a lot of expertise in this. So um, I'll say what I want and I, I say, I think what we, we've chatted about this a lot that we're on the same page. Um, I might even, we might just put up like, a picture um, of like Alvar Mail's hierarchy. And essentially what you're looking at is like on the base, you want like good movement ability. And that's where we'll do stuff with the Pilates that like just so you can do the basic movement patterns. You know, you can squat, you can lunge, you can hinge, move at your hips. You can, you know, with the back aware belt, like hold your core in a good alignment so that like, you know, you can push and pull without like moving at the body. So we should have like, and if you can't do that, that's like step one. Now, I know people also talk about like good nutrition, which I agree with, and good sleep, that like you're not going to get results without those things as well. But like, if you can't do those, that's where you have to start. And that's where we start with the Pilates. And it's not a thing of like, like I see people kind of back to what we were talking about with the injury. Oh, I do this stretch. It's like, like a stretch isn't going to cut it. If I'm sitting down, like we're sitting here, if I'm sitting for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. It's like, you get tight, like that needs like good movement, really work in the joints. And when we're talking about good movement, there's three things you're looking for, or three things can hamper good movement, um, which we can talk about. So this is the base, like, so if someone can't move well, you're looking at a mobility issue. They can't move through the joints. The main joints that get affected are the ankle should have good range of motion. The hip should have a good range of motion. The upper back should have good range of motion. Now, the way we're designed as humans is that like, if you can't move in those joints, we're always gonna be able to move because we have to be able to hunt and get food. So that's why you see so many like knee issues and so many back issues because when we're moving excessively through the spine and through the knee. Like, so the knee should just like hinge up and down, but it buckles in, buckles out, and then people get, either like chronic issues or 
it sets them up for like more like tears and the same in the back we're stiff through our hips which means then like rather than being able to like sit and keep my core here all of a sudden I'm moving through my back then because I can't like keep keep up into a good position so that's the first thing you need for good movement patterns but then you need stability you need to be able to activate the muscles and again when we're doing the Pilates like a lot like the people who do it will testify for this like we're burning the muscles mm. you know when people it's like oh, I do a 30 second stretch I don't know what it's like you're sitting all the time you need to wake these things up you need to wake them up like it needs good you know 45 minutes for us at least once a week to really activate and wake these muscles up and then that'll help with the movement that we get back and then the last one is motor control which is like the technique of the action so sometimes you can activate the muscles and that's my problem with a, lot, a couple of problems with traditional pilates one is just the complete ignoring of the mechanics of the spine where like people imprint the lower back on the ground and just forget like that should be that should have a natural arch, a natural yes, curve. Um, you know, so stuff like that, like forgetting the mechanics in lieu of just the muscles activating. Um, but the second one then is that all we do is stay on the ground. You need then to transfer where you practice the movements. So like you've learned to move through the hips, you've learned to switch on the muscles. And that's going to give us the transfer over then. So when we're looking at that base of the pyramid, and again, we might actually do another injury site and then do further up the pyramid keep people coming back that way but um that motor that movement base is so key and to get that good movement you want good mobility good activation of the muscles and then work in the technique and it works in that order like you want the mobility first you want the kind of technique second and then you want the motor control third um is that why you start with on the when you're looking at like say an snc program for say someone starting Absolutely. So, depending on where you come in, first look about how they move. Like, so when lads come into us or players, whatever team you're working with, a lot of the emphasis is on putting size on players, and that's yeah. the big craze now. But well, there's absolutely no point in putting anyone under a barbell if they can't move properly. Yes. It's only going to yeah, hinder yeah, yeah. them in the long term. So, like you mentioned about good squat technique. Yes. So, I'm a big fan of a goblet squat. Yes, exactly. To build that pattern, like, I wouldn't really program traditional back squats. Yeah, I don't like any players. Grease the groove with your with your goblet squat. Yeah. Maybe then if you want to progress, go with a dumbbell front squat. Yes. And then possibly progress to a front squat. Yeah. Sometimes players or teams of players you work with may lack the mobility, so maybe if you elevate their heels. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A big difference. But like this is another thing you can do where it's like if you find one thing sometimes people are so limited on they're limited on what they know so then they they just like they either they either ignore good movement and just like oh i'm going to squat with poor technique yeah. anyway so you have these you know youtube or whatever exercises that well this is just a program you do yeah like it's like squats it's like they can't see beyond a squat it's like well maybe if they did a split squat or maybe they can hinge or maybe they can like do a step up and they're fine or as you said even it's like let's go for a goblet squat it doesn't always have to be like bar on your back if you have poor technique just kind of mill through it anyway as you said there's yeah. kind of easier variations you can do to start someone off and the big thing is i think 
a lot of people now are maybe influenced by Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. And what looks great on that. But like that's just for show, really. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's nothing to do with function. And really, for a lot of people, for sports, the gym is about function. How to function better in your sport. Well, a lot of times with the TikTok or Instagram, now I like actually looking at these things as well, but you got to remember, like, say if it's diet, like someone saying like eat vegetables and keep it healthy. It's like because we kind of all know that, but we don't apply it. That's not going to get any views. Yeah. If you were talking about like eat freaking like say bulletproof coffee, it's like, oh, put loads of like butter in your coffee. Yeah. It's like shocking. So you're going to like look at that. So then people see what's getting views and they're going to do more of that. You know, like if someone's like, look, like, as you said, um, have good moving patterns or build it, that's not going to get much. Whereas no. someone doing some mad ass exercise and trying to replicate it will, um, even though it's, it's not as effective. It's like the, the old question of what's your magic exercise to make me better? Yes. There isn't one, it's just consistency. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, big time. It's, it's the same there, like, as you said, a 20 kilo dumbbell goblet squat. Yes. Isn't going to attract 100,000 views on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a 200 kg barbell back squat where someone actually falls over at the bottom. Exactly. Like a million views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But someone will probably influence to try that then because it look good. Yeah, exactly. Do it with terrible technique, probably got quarter depth. Yeah. And something, probably something's going more than likely going to go wrong. yeah. And a lot of times these people, like, there is a lot on, like, or a technique, but, well, one, it's hard to get studies on that just because for ethics to get through of, like, have terrible technique. Yeah. And then people have different bodies, like, that some people, like, their, their, their either musculature can hold that, their joints are able to, like, withstand it. You know, like, if I take a door there and smack it backwards off the hinge, it's not going to come off the hinge straight away. Or you bang a door shut like harder. Like you'd be very unlucky if that first time that did that. But it's like at some stage, if you are lifting or moving poorly, you can't keep like going beyond the capacity of the thing, which you've done in biomechanical studies and not think it's going to cause issues. Yeah. The thing that's hard is to put that in a time frame where you can see that damage. Like me, if I'm slamming that door, it's like, well, okay, over the next four weeks, I'm going to slam that door shut hard and see, does it damage it? And if it doesn't damage it within that four weeks, it's well, like, well, slamming the door shut hard doesn't actually make any difference. And it's like, well, you just have it in too short a time. Yeah. Or you didn't do it with enough force, you know? So it's funny. Yeah, that's... And if you are trying to improve your movement, as I said, I know we do on the Pilates, but it's like getting good movement, getting the stability, and then working, as you said varying the types of movements you can do like go for a goblet squat and and that will bring us to we might just do the next one which is called like work capacity or anatomical adaptation and what you're trying to do with this one is get your body ready so if i'm doing like gym programs with the back aware belts say in our sports pilates or whatever a lot of them are work capacity they're like short recovery 12 reps because we're just trying to generally build general strength or robustness. It's like before you start lifting heavier, like say five, five sets of five reps or whatever, you just want to make sure that their body's prepared for it. How do you think about that work capacity or anatomical adaptation phase then? Major fan of it. Yeah, Major fan yeah, of it. yeah. And particularly the more inexperienced you are, the more important it actually is. Yes, particularly yeah. Particularly for younger athletes. If you're going straight into loading them heavy, I think... 
there's more low there's low, more low hanging fruit to be picked really yes if you start off with your work capacity circuits yeah example it might be six exercises and building a goblet squat and yeah. maybe a dumbbell RDL coupled with some upper body movements yes something like 40 seconds on 20 seconds off three rounds yeah a couple of times a week starting off and then progress them into their strength movements yeah it can that's work, exactly it can work very very well yeah and you can go we'll talk about like Jesus time has flown here so we'll actually nearly up but we'll talk about that maybe next day is that like how you how we look at it is like maybe power block strength block Absolutely. and then a larger work capacity block yeah. and in the strength you can say you can have a strength exercise that's not really working strength yet but just getting the technique right or a power exercise that's working on the technique mm -hmm. and then what you'll find is though like people will get they'll look physically stronger they'll be stronger from just doing work capacity Absolutely. you know like you go so, as you, we were saying like or I'll say it like there's so many bluffers out there so many people where they don't apply good science behind what they're doing. They would have seen someone else do something or they come from like a different background and think, oh, this is the way you do it. Like say a powerlifting background. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, you got to know what you're trying to achieve. If it's to look athletic or build like towards speed or power, well then it's important to like put layers on top of each other. And then you can mix and match depending on what you're, your format so when you're looking at work capacity then like as i said with with the movement base you're looking at stuff to improve the mobility the stability the motor control that's what we do in pilates yoga will be much better on the mobility side bit on the stability maybe not as much on the motor control light gym work you can get the motor control you might miss a little bit of the correctives and we'll talk about how we structure i think we'll do that next day we'll talk about how to how we structure it because you should have all these elements in all the time and just top up the ones that are needed and then for motor for work capacity generally you're talking you said four maybe four exercises or six four to six and again depending on the time of your season or yes what your goals are so obviously if you're close to competition work capacity there's other things to be which are more important to that exactly stage. but look at it now we're in it for a lot of team sports club championships finished maybe four weeks ago so yeah. just finishing now take a little break get back into it yeah capacity building that engine in every way yes is, is really key at the moment yeah and yeah and like, i've had it even with teams where where if if they were ideal athletes we'd be doing more of the power strengths yeah it, like in the gym sense but it's like they're not ideal athletes yet they're only developing so we stay on the work capacity for a year and then the following year they were able to go quicker through different stages. So again, like, and then for runners in particular, I see, I feel like staying on the work capacity side of things, the like the three by 12 reps, the 40 seconds on, you know, like it's still like heavy enough, like a 20 kg dumbbell or a 15 kg dumbbell, like say 65% like weight reps of what you could do. Um, it, it's really activating that muscles. It gets the best uh, like testosterone or hormone responses because short recovery, more reps. Um, and then that allows for like better transfer over that. It's kind of a continuation of the, the Pilates or whatever, where it's like you're just activating the muscles so you can run, um, run like with better form and we don't really need to work on like so much on max strength but as you said um 
with team sports it's a bit different you might want to move them up the chain a lot more you do you, you do and like all year round again it's depending on where you are at the stage of the season yeah but you're always going to have certain things in like you look now so a lot of teams are a long way away from pitch sessions yes you're still going to have a small sprinkling of speed work in as you yes mentioned. 100% you're going to have a sprinkling of power work in yeah, yeah. micro dosages okay yeah. you're going to have a lot of teams won't be touching you won't be touching really max strength work at this stage yeah but you could when I do it like uh, Jesus I'll leave it here then but like when I do it I have an A block which yeah. is power so that could be at this stage it could be one exercise could be like light technique of some exercise like say an olympic lift with a barbell or a dumbbell yeah. or if you're doing jumps like something just to practice the technique yeah one one strength exercise you know like a like even like three by five of it just to get again maybe just working the the technique so to get an idea of where we're going and then we could have two sets of work capacity um, which would be my C and D blocks. Mm-hmm. So it could be four exercises in C, or it could be three exercises in C, three exercises in D. That would be our six, or it could be just four exercises there repeat, repeated, um, three to four sets of it. Yeah. And then what I would have is an E block, which would be correctives again. And that's like some of my core work, some of my technique work. And I would add that as a warm up as well. So it's kind of getting the, it's getting everything in. Um, and then you're focusing on what you need the most at that time, but you're not forgetting the other stuff either. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I found as well, technology and data collection and data interpretation is getting bigger and bigger. Yes, yeah. And like you mentioned there about what we program, but the way it's gone, you can get profiles on players and say... Yes, yeah, 100%. Say, maybe if they're, say, jumping-wise, power-wise, they're deficient, but yes. aerobically they might be very strong. Yeah. And then you can actually program that from the start of the off-season. Yeah, actually, yeah. You made up a squad of, say, club 30 players, and you're able to individually assess them all. It takes a little bit of time at the start. But yeah. when you have the programs in place, then, say, you might have a midfielder, aerobically will run all day. But power-wise, speed-wise, needs work. Yes. And you can address that in his programming. Where, say, you have a corner forward who's very quick, but... His capacity is not able to sustain work rate for the intensity that you want for 60 minutes of a game. Yes. So you can actually program then that in the off-season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work on those thresholds, that like the things that they're poor at yeah. straight away. That's actually great, yeah. Yeah, like, and they're easier. These things are getting cheaper to get and easier to do. John, yeah. we'll leave it there. Thanks so much, guys, for watching. And there might be a few cuts as we had a couple of issues, but hopefully you got some good information about like Achilles, what to do with the lower leg injuries. And we've just started talking about how we structure, say, a gym program. I'm looking forward to some more of John's thoughts as we kind of go up the ladder. And then, as we said, you talk about that. We might even talk about that force velocity and different ways to do it. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, again, this is sponsored by the Back Aware Sports Pilates. For a free trial, just look in the link or for my book, Secrets of a Health or How to Get to the Line in the Best Shape Possible, go to everardpilates.com forward slash book.